live from Armory Square. This is Orange Nation with Stephen Fonte and Seth Goldberg. Stephen, Seth, back with you on a Thursday edition of Orange Nation. We are powered by Drivers Village. Again, Mike Waters set to join us here in about 15 minutes. Chris Gedney in our number two. But we continue the baseball talk, Seth. And I, I got to believe that this decision was made before the playoffs, maybe before the season so. started. I mean, we discussed it that maybe Joe Girardi was just resigned to the fact that this was it for him, and the understanding all along was it was a swan song, maybe for both sides, and they obviously went further, I think, than anyone expected them to go. But at the end of the day, this could not have come down to you know the Game 2 challenge of the ALDS no, or no. losing Game 7 of the ALCS. This had to be decided in advance, and I, I, I asked Matt, and I guess my personal feelings are, I wonder if this was a case of we know Girardi doesn't want to come back or that he's torn about whether or not he wants to come back, so we're going to break up with him before he breaks up with us and kind of save face as a franchise. And I don't know if that's if that's what happened. Um, but you, I don't know. You said, you, I, you, hang sure. on one second, you said that you believe that there's a plan in place. I think there's no question that there's a plan in place. You wouldn't get rid of Joe Girardi if there wasn't a plan in place. So if he's not coming back or if his heart's not into it, then we'll move on and we'll find someone cheaper and we'll we'll get somebody who wants to be here. And and the comments he made after the loss in Game 7 of the ALCS, I did not get the feeling that this is a guy who's 100% invested into coming back to New York. No, I, I didn't either. I, I think that the... I think the decision was made before the playoffs. I mean, it had to have been, right? I, I wouldn't I wouldn't be surprised if, as you said, the, play, the the decision was made before the year. They said, hey, you know, this is, you know, for lack of a better term, this is Buck Showalter to the 95 Yankees. Uh, he's a he's good manager. He won when he had the most talented team in baseball. He overachieved when he didn't have a talented team. You know, he kept us above 500. He's been a really, he, he's done a really good job. But you know what? He's just not the guy to take us to that next level. And and I think that's fair. Like, I think that's a fair thought if that are if that is your opinion on Joe Girardi. As Matt said, I think he's had a pretty bad year. Uh, which is hilarious to think when they reached Game 7 of the ALCS, but I don't think this was his best managing year. You know, and, and it was the best year results-wise other than the World Series, uh, but I think it was more impressive to be winning 85 or 87 games with some of those teams in, in the mid-2010s, in the early 2010s. Those teams were terrible, uh, you know, and had no business being near a playoff spot, and he did a great job. Uh, but you know what? Ten years is a really, really long time to be the manager of the Yankees. It's a really long time, and, and I pulled this up earlier, but he was the manager for the last 10 years, Girardi for 11 years prior to that. Uh, sorry, Tori. Joe Torre for 11 years prior to that. 21 years, the Yankees had two managers. Do you know how many managers they had over the previous 21? So from 1974 to 1995? <sighs> quite, quite a few. They made 20 managerial changes. And I can't say 20 managers because it was... Uh, Ten combined appearances from Yogi Berra, Lou Pinella, and Billy Martin. Right, but they made ten, twenty managerial changes over twenty-one years, and then finally got some stability with Tori and Girardi. Um, and you know what? Now it's just time to go in some other direction. And you know, the coaching staff that they have in place obviously is doing something right. They got to the ALCS, so I wouldn't even be disappointed if I'm a Yankee fan, and, and I am. I wouldn't be disappointed if they went out and just kept somebody from this coaching staff and kept it relatively intact. Uh, you know, you're seeing Joe Espada's name come up uh, to replace Alex Cora as Houston's bench coach. So I would imagine he'll be a candidate for the Yankee manager job. I would imagine Rob Thompson 
would be a candidate for the manager's job. Kevin Long, who uh, got fired a couple years ago and was the Mets hitting coach, will probably be a candidate. It's going to be somebody that the Yankees know that's relatively in-house. How about any of the many minor league guys? AAA manager Al Padrique has managed 21 of the 40 players who are on the Yankee 40-man roster right now. I mean, wouldn't he be a pretty good candidate? And I think it accomplishes two things. I think, well, three things. Number one, you've got a manager who's familiar with the players. I think number two, you get that fresh perspective that you've talked about. And number three, you get somebody who's a whole lot cheaper than Joe Girardi. And so it's a right. it's a win-win-win if you're the Yankees in, in those three aspects. So Well, and I think you're also looking for, if you're the Yankees, if you're Brian Cashman, Brian Cashman's power over the last year and, and his sway in the organization over the last year, I, I think has risen a lot. Yes. Uh, you could see, you know, starting at the deadline last year, Hal Steinbrenner had no interest in selling. They get swept, and he's like, look, we need to do this. We need to trade these four players, and they did. And then this year, it, they, they bounced back quickly. And given that it turned around so fast, I think that his sway in the organization has jumped and skyrocketed. And given that, He's going to have a lot more influence over whoever he chooses as the next manager than he had over Joe Girardi. Things are going to be much more of a quote-unquote team decision than just the manager's decision. And the fact that Cashman's contract is up as well, and it's just a foregone conclusion that he's coming back, I think that gives you an idea how much equity he's built up within the organization because two years ago that wasn't necessarily the case. It was not a foregone conclusion that Brian Cashman was coming back. Right, and today reports are that it was Cashman recommending to Steinbrenner fire Girardi, not the other way around. Right. I mean, his, his sway has understandably skyrocketed. I was listening to Buster Olney on my way over here, and um, and he pointed to the fact that things he's heard, you know, through his sources and insiders in baseball, is that there was a fractured relationship between Girardi and the front office, not yep. necessarily Cashman, but uh, Cashman and others, and and that that led in part uh, to the firing. Again, I think when I look back on this. I think it was a, a decision that was made a long time ago, in my opinion. And again, I don't know that other than just you know reading the tea leaves and seeing how this whole thing played out. Uh, I got to believe that, that this was something that they had known for a while, that it was his last year. Um, and uh, regardless of how this thing played out. Now, maybe if they win the World Series, maybe it's, a, maybe it's different. Maybe that changes it. I don't know. Um, but I'm not sure what would have saved his job if, again, the decision was made you know, before the season even started. We do need to move on to Mike Waters here in a moment. I did want to get your thoughts on last night's World Series game, though, and just a fantastic game. I, I threw you the stat, uh, and I, I'm sure you saw it uh, during the break, that leading up to last night, prior to last night, there were 17 extra inning home runs in Major League Baseball history in the postseason, uh, or in uh, in the World Series. Uh, we saw five uh, last night, five extra inning home runs uh, last night in, in Game 2 of the World Series. 17 all-time, five of them last night. It was an incredible game, a lot of emotional... Uh, shifts you know you think the Dodgers have the momentum then the Astros Dodgers come back I mean it was it was a fantastic game a fantastic you know hour or so of baseball there from the eighth inning on yeah uh, if you didn't like that I don't know what to tell you right like if you're if you're somebody who's like eh, baseball meh and watched last night and didn't like that like I I just I don't know what to tell you Uh, that was an awesome game it was incredible to watch Um, and I'm I'm not so sure that like it was overmanaged. I know a lot of people are saying that and getting on Dave Roberts and saying, oh, well, you did too much, you did too much. Everything worked, right? Like, pulling Rich Hill worked because Kenta Maeda followed him up well and, and the bullpen followed him up well. Like, 
you got to your closer yes, with a two-run lead. lead. Like, at some point, he's just got to make the pitches, and he didn't. Like, even the right the, the righty who you brought in because he's dominated righties all year, he didn't execute, and he let up two runs, but you got it back. And I like, think that I, was a case, the Marlon Gonzalez home run. I joked yesterday that it, it's not always a mistake. I, that was a that mistake. That was a mistake. That was a mistake, yes. and Gonzalez made him pay. It was a hanging cutter. And, and yeah, if you, could, if you could tell the Dodgers fans before the game, all right, you're going to have a one-run lead, you're going to have the best closer in the game on the mound, Right. Three outs away. You do you sign it? up for it? Absolutely. Yeah. Who so, cares how we got there? We got there. Like I, I'm seeing a lot of people and, and Dodger, not really Dodger writers, but Dodger writers retweeting Dodger fans who are like trying to rip Dave Roberts. Like I don't think he managed that game poorly. The guys just didn't execute, and it made for such a fun game. It made for such an insane atmosphere, an insane. Uh, confluence of events. You mentioned the five home runs last night in the extra innings. That is a that that is the first time it's happened in baseball, not in a World Series. That's incredible. Not in the playoffs, like ever. There have never been five home runs in extra innings before last night. And we saw um, it in the World Series. And it was in the World Series. It's just it's mind blowing. All right, we need to take a timeout. When we come back, we're going to switch gears. We're going to talk some college basketball. Mike Waters back from ACC Media Day in Charlotte. He joins us next. Keep it here. Orange Nation rolls on right after this. We've got a special doubleheader this week on our Drivers Village Friday Night Fever game of the week at 4:45. CNS faces Corcoran. Then immediately following that, Baldwinsville and Liverpool meet up. It's all for the right to head to the Carrier Dome for the Class AA Section Finals. And it all starts at 445 on ESPN AM and localsyr.com. Our Drivers Village Friday Night Fever Game of the Week. Live from Armory Square, this is Orange Nation with Stephen Fonte and Seth Goldberg. Hour number two of Orange Nation underway here on ESPN Radio. Want to remind you to listen all day and be calling number five when prompted for your chance to see an advanced screening of ESPN's 30 for 30, Nature Boy, the Ric Flair story at the Red House Art Center on Thursday, November 2nd. Get an exclusive behind-the-scenes look at the legendary wrestler before it airs on TV. Winners will see the movie, have a chance to win the complete 30 for 30 library, and enjoy a free meal. Afterwards, stick around for a Q&A with Brent Axe. It's brought to you by... United Auto Supply, and ESPN Radio Syracuse. We're going to give away uh, two pairs right now. So caller number five and caller number six going to that advanced screening next Thursday of ESPN's 30 for 30, the Nature Boy Ric Flair story. I had to pause there for a second. November is here. Like, it's it's yes. just, it's, yes. ne- it's next week. What are you dressing up as for uh, Halloween? I am dressing up. As, as a, a sports uh, anchor. As, yes, an Orange Nation host. We've got Orange Nation on uh, News Channel 9 uh, Tuesday night at 7 o'clock. You and Mario will not be in costumes? Uh, that's my costume. I'm going to be a host. No, we will not be wearing costumes. Is that uh, frowned upon? I think so. Yeah. Uh, we could dress up for radio, though. Nobody's going to see us. We could tell people we dressed up we for could, radio. We could have the, the best <laughs> costume ever. Uh, my daughter's going to be a kangaroo. I, I do know that. Not bad. My son is undecided. It's okay. late in the game, but this is kind of how he rolls. I think I think when I was around his age, I was like, eh, I'm just going to throw a baseball jersey on. Yeah, we'll Fudge see. It. We'll see what he ends up as. Uh, but yeah, my daughter's going to be something like that. You know? Just, yeah, eh, I'll throw a football jersey on. One year, I even found hockey pads to make it look like I was wearing shoulder pads. Nice, good yeah. touch. Yeah, 
Halloween's not my thing. It's no, never been my thing. Neither. I didn't even really look. I I know I'm probably in the minority. As a kid, I didn't really love Halloween. I, I don't really love candy. Understandable. Yeah. So, I don't know. Not really my thing. But anyway, yes, it's Halloween. My kids are old enough now that trick-or-treating is not really a big deal. So, yeah, I'll be on the air uh, 7 to 7.30 Tuesday night. Do you, do you night. still have to go with them? Or... Uh, eh, borderline with my son. He's eleven now, but my daughter's, you know, Too she's young. doing yeah. doing her thing. Oh, okay. Yeah, she's fourteen, so oh, she's older. she's older, okay. so she's doing the thing with okay. her friends. Yeah. And dad's not no, that makes not sense. cool. Dad's cool sometimes. Not she won't admit to that, but not all the time. <laughs> Halloween, I'm not cool on Halloween. Uh, no, she'll be with her friends. Um, we've got a lot to get to still in the show. We've got Chris Gedney coming up uh, in about twenty minutes from now. I, I do want to kind of finish our our SU basketball conversation. And I brought it up with Mike. I want to get your thoughts on this, Seth, because we know how this works. I mean, this is a this is a rabid fan base here locally when it comes to college basketball. And the expectation is Syracuse wins 20 games, goes to the NCAA tournament, and if you don't make it to the second weekend of the NCAA tournament, it's a, you know, it's a disappointing year. I'm not sure that's going to be the case this year, given how young they are and I thought Mike laid it out perfectly. Last year, there was a lot of disappointment because that team had veterans and and because we expected that team to be really good and it struggled out of the gate and and because we knew everybody was leaving and everybody was leaving right and this year is different you've got Geno Thorpe as the grad transfer maybe maybe Tyus Battle's going we'll see how this year develops but you know Thorpe is gone and virtually everybody else is coming back and you've got this great recruiting class coming in next year led by Jalen Carey and and Darius Baisley and and Buddy Beheim's in that class as well and. I think he'll end up being a good player for this program. So there is some excitement building, I think, and the fact that you know Jim Beheim's going to be here for a little bit, and you're past the sanctions, and, and you feel like this program is in a good spot. I do wonder if fans will kind of give this team the benefit of the doubt, and if they do come out of the gate struggling a little bit, again, it's not like, oh, this is a wasted season and blow it up. And, and no. It does feel like, for me anyway, and I wanted to get your thoughts, it does feel like this is almost... A two-year process. Not that I'm looking past this year. Trust the process. But, it, but if they struggle, you're like, okay, well, you want to see how these guys develop because it matters because they're coming back. You want to see how Matthew Moore develops and, and Frank Howard Brissett and, and Frank Howard and so on and so forth. You want to see you want to see them get better. Yes, you still want to see wins. Yes, you want them to go to the NCAA tournament. But if they don't, I think you can put it in perspective of all right this program is building toward I get another next year, year of these guys yeah, yeah no and I, and I think that's fair and I, I think that uh you know something that Mike said caught my caught my ear and, and I was thinking about that they started eight and six last year and they were uh, they they weren't good right and they had talent like they had really talented players and it just wasn't working but they they started eight and six and because they had talent because we knew they had talent going into the year, we all sat back and said, man, what a disappointment. If they were to start 8-6 this year, right? If Syracuse was to start 8-6 and six this year, they lose their first couple ACC games, they lose to Georgetown, they lose to Kansas, they lose to Maryland, they lose another non-conference game they shouldn't, and all of a sudden they're sitting at 8-6. and six. Is anybody disappointed? Right? Or is it just kind of like, eh? Like, I get it. Right? Because I, I, I sit here and I'm like, I know nothing about this team. So they could come out and they can go 11-1. and one. 12 and 1 in their non conference, right? Their only loss could be Kansas. Hell, they could go beat Kansas. And I wouldn't be surprised. But at the same time. I might be a little surprised by that. But at the same time, they could go 5 and 7 in their non conference. And I'd be like, no, that, that's about right. Like, I, I think that 
because we don't know anything about them this year. Like, there's so much more of a wide range where, like, I, I think that you could be really, really excited, but I don't know how disappointed you could be if they go eight and six again, right? Like, like last year it was reasonable. You're you're like, oh, well, Andrew White scored 17 points a game in the Big Ten. Like, he's good. You know, you had Tyler Lydon. He's really good. Uh, you know, you knew what you had, and this year you just don't. Yeah, and we've seen that new faces in the program or, you know, new guys into the rotation, sometimes it, it takes a bit for them to gel, especially on the defensive end, right? I mean, that was the, the biggest reason last year why it got off to such a slow start was that defensively, wasn't that they didn't buy in, it was that they just weren't very good as a unit. And so I think that is a concern. You expect that they're going to be better defensively this year. They can't be any worse than they were a year ago. I know that it's been a priority and an emphasis throughout preseason practice and throughout the offseason. And, and, you know, the guys are saying all the right things. Um, but it's, again, it is difficult to know the rotations and and to have it be instinctual rather than to be thinking out there. And I think, you know, for, for freshmen and for newcomers, slow. yeah, right. If for freshmen and newcomers, the tendency is to to think opposed to just reacting and it just being instinctual. And it it'll be a it'll be a learning process. I mean, they're gonna go through some growing pains. So do I expect that they're gonna go out and, and beat Kansas and start twelve and one? No, I, I don't expect that at all. But yeah, I think that you know, fans will hang in there with this team because there is a feeling that, okay, well, obviously they're young. Expectations are a little lower, certainly lower than they were a year ago. And you feel like, all right, you've got these guys for a couple years and, and let's see what happens. Let's see how they develop. And I think that's an important thing to note. You know, this is the first time in how long that like you're going into a year and you're like, oh, the majority of these guys will be back, right? I mean, last year you didn't have that feeling. The year before it was like, okay, well, you know, we know at least our two biggest guys in Cooney and Benajay are gone. Uh, you know, I feel like even the year before, you had a feeling that that a couple of the guys would be gone. Uh, it 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 feels like a different kind of a a mode right now than it did in previous years. You know, this year you say Geno Thorpe's the only one you know is gone. You know, last year you had five guys that you knew were out. You had Benajay and Cooney. You had. Rakeem Christmas, you Malachi had CJ, ended up leaving, right? But but preseason, you knew, sure. you had you may not know. Right, the year before, you knew Rock was gone. You knew the previous year, CJ Fair was gone. You knew Trish was gone, and uh, you know, and and Sutherland, and 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 that whole team, and by you know, like so, it feels like for for the first time in a while, like there's nobody that you're actually attached to that that is leaving. Like we don't know Gino Thorpe, we know nothing about him. Yeah, I think Tyus is the one guy that. Could go, may go, but, but if he, but you don't know. But at the same time, if he has a good enough year to go, wouldn't you expect the team to be halfway decent? Like, wouldn't he? Um, have to, like, I think that he would have to have a really good year because yeah, he's but not, he could have a really good year, and they could they could not be. I mean, that's possible. But the reason I say that is he's not Tyler Lydon in that he's not a stretch four. Like, he's a six foot six guard, and that's not to take anything away from him. But there are a lot of six foot six shooting guards. You know, like. It's not like he is a stretch four or stretch five, which is still like a relatively uncommon, like becoming more common kind of a, a position. Like there are a lot of six foot six guards that he would have to compete against to have his draft stock up to the point where he would leave. So I, I would imagine he would have to do something really, really good over the course of 35 games in order to get to a point where he's leaving for the draft. And if he does that, 
I take it. <laughs> like, well, I'm yeah, like, thank right. you. He's going to help you win thank games. Thank you for certainly. your year. We're going to the tournament. Go to the NBA. If he goes to the NBA, I don't, I don't think that necessarily means that they're a 20-year team or a 20-win team and they go to the NCAA tournament. I think he's already put himself certainly in the conversation for whether or not he leaves. Um, he's a really good player. And, oh, and we, we know absolutely. how the NBA works. They draft on potential, and I think he has the potential to be uh, you know, a, a good pro as well. So, um, let, you know, let's see what, how it pans out. But to your point, yeah, we don't know anything about Geno Thorpe. And, you know, if, if he leaves, you've got the, the main core coming back. And you already know you've got two four-slash-five-star guys coming in, Darius Baisley and, and, and Jalen Carey. And Elijah Hughes. Right. Good point. Who's so, going to have a year under his belt with the team. Yeah. So there's a lot to look forward to. Let's go to the phone lines. We've got Jake in Syracuse up next on Orange Nation. Hey, Jake. Hey, guys. Uh, just want to make a couple points. One thing, um, you know, we, did we expect Tyler Lydon to leave last year? I think what happened to him is he got an injury, an injury to his Achilles tendon, I do believe, during the year. And when a kid, like, you know, watch out for battle getting an injury. Cause when a kid who could possibly, you know, make a few million dollars gets kind of scared from an injury, that, that'll make him think twice. Um, I think another thing, you can't, you can't blow it up. Like you said earlier, you can't blow it up like the Philadelphia 76ers. They said, yeah, we'll blow it up. And, you know, you can't do that in college. And, um, you know, I know, I know this is a young team, but, and I don't want to, you know, expectations are low, but, you know, who else was a young team? The 2003 National Championship team. Yeah. So thanks for taking my call. All right. Appreciate it, Jake. And yeah, we mentioned that earlier when Lazarus was on that, you know, yeah, some of Jim Beheim's best teams and, and best coaching jobs have come with these low expectations. And for teams that fly under the radar, 96, they surprised a lot of people. 2003, they surprised people, um, you know, just on down the list. When the expectations are low, he tends to do. Uh, very well. In regards to the injury to Leiden last year, I-, I thought before the season he was going I either way. I mean, there was Jim questions. Did. There was questions after his <laughs> freshman year that he might go, um, and then he, you know, he came back and yeah. And I, and to Jake's point, yeah, I think that that might have played into it. But my opinion is Leiden was leaving. You know, no matter what, he had put himself in that position. It was one more year. I'm going to give it one more, one more go around with this team, and and I'm going either way. And I, I, I think that that's kind of what happened. Wasn't there an article before last season, basically with Jim Beheim saying, "Oh yeah, Tyler's gone." Right? Like, yeah, like everybody kind of thought he was leaving. Yeah, I think it was expected. And and so in that case, you had five guys. You had half of your scholarship players were leaving, and you right. you knew that uh, going into the year. Um, and that is certainly not the case with this year's team. We do need to take a timeout. We'll get to today's business on the other side. Keep it here. We'll be right back. This is Orange Nation with Stephen Fonte and Seth Goldberg. Chris Gedney coming up in 10 minutes, but it's time now to get to today's business brought to you every day by Grossman St. Amore CPAs. And for that, we bring in the hardest working sports producer in Syracuse, Max Burgandy. What's up, Max? How's it going? What do you got? Your favorite person was in the in the news again today, Steve. Cam Newton exited a press conference after being asked a legitimate question about his offense yesterday. Straight up walked out. So the question was about uh, big the, chunk plays, big and, chunk plays, and the fact that they're you know struggling in that category. What do they need to do to do that on a regular basis? Cam rolls his eyes, says "next question," and then as the next question is is starting to be asked, he just leaves. He just walks out. The part about this that I <laughs> thought was incredible. was funny was the Carolina Panthers had to release a statement. And the reason they gave for why he walked out was that Cam thought that he had sufficiently fulfilled his obligation with the media, that he had he had been there for enough time, and that the time was up 
And so he he walked out. Then it was a misunderstanding that he didn't storm off. That he felt like he had fulfilled his obligation and he was done. So in the middle of a question, oh, time's up. Did so you long see for the now. video though? I did. Yes, I did. I, I find it was it, kind of hilarious. I, I find it amusing. So dumb. I find it, dumb. it amusing that that is the reason. Like, do you always have to come up with a reason? No. Like, I feel like after a certain amount of time with this guy, you just you just have to leave it up to him. Like. It, Clean this up yourself. What if the Panthers just released a statement and was like, dude, we're not helping you. <laughs> like, you figure this out. Like, I, I, I said this to you guys in the break, but it's the second time in three weeks that they had to release a statement because he was just a flat-out jerk to somebody in the media yeah. and didn't handle reporters We saw well. him do this, you know... Three it, weeks ago. Yeah, well, literally. we saw him do it three weeks ago. Yeah. We, I mean, at we've the seen Super it in the past. Bowl. We saw it at the Super Bowl. Um, it, it, it's just... It, it's amazing. And I said it three weeks ago, and, and I'll say it again. He has not grown up. Right, it, he he just has not grown up and and figured out how to be the quarterback of a team and the cornerstone of a franchise yet. I would really like to see the Panthers release a statement and say something along the lines of, you know, Cam was was frustrated with a line of questions. He wants to win like we all do, and I, something like that. Like the reason was he felt like he had fulfilled his obligation, and so he walked out like he was innocent. Like, come on. Like, we're not dumb. You know what it makes me think of? It makes me... That that reasoning makes me think of uh, Marshawn Lynch when he showed up at Media Day. Which, like, that was hilarious, For, like, the four and a half minutes that he was contractually obligated to be there, See, I and thought then he of, left. I thought of Joe Girardi saying that, well, I didn't challenge the play because I didn't want to get my pitcher out of his rhythm. That's that's what, like, you don't always have to come up with a dumb reason. Sometimes you can just say, I screwed up, or in this case, Cam screwed up. You don't have to give us a dumb reason that no one believes anyway. What do else you, you think, got for us? Do you think Joe Girardi challenged Brian Cashman? No, I think you and I agree on this, Seth. I think the decision was mm-hmm. made. Credit me to that joke Swoosh. for tagging you in that tweet, Swoosh. by the way. I mean, I, oh, it was, Steve, it was yeah, the low-hanging fruit. Aren't you referring I said, to? I said challenged because he didn't challenge the... No, I got the joke. Oh, okay. Uh, yeah, I thought you were I, I thought you were asking me a legitimate question. No, like if, not really. If whether or not he you know, gave some pushback. I don't think there was any pushback. I think this decision was made. I think everybody knew what was going on. While we're talking Girardi and the Yankees, would it be crazy to consider that Alex Rodriguez would be a candidate yes, for their next he's manager? That's going to be the next manager. No. I would love to see it. It would be hilarious. Wouldn't, wouldn't you, it would be. It would be utter, utterly hilarious, Look, but I, it's not happening. I, I saw an article back in February that uh, someone for ESPN wrote, and they asked Hal Steinbrenner his criteria for hiring managers, and there's three things. Working well with both young players and the vets, baseball smarts, in his own words, and the ability to handle New York. Does it's Alex not Rodriguez not no, fit no, all three of those no. perfectly? A-Rod, A-Rod was in New York for more than 10 years and could not handle New York. No. Now he knows how no, to handle New York, No, though. no, I would love it. I would it. love to see it. I would love to see it. I think it would be hilarious. It's not happening. There's no chance. They would win 12 World Series calling it right Could now. you imagine if he was like Joe Torre and just ripped off four and five years or something? Yeah. Ain't happening. It's not Don't happening. So. What I else would you love got? it, but it's not happening. Uh, so the Suns obviously trying to trade uh, Eric Bledsoe. Did they hurt themselves by? Uh, did they hit, hurt their trade leverage by making the news public? I mean, if you don't want the guy and everyone knows it, what leverage do you really have negotiating a trade? What they, choice did they have to make it why, public? Why like, do you Bledsoe, need to make it public though? But I mean, Bledsoe, Bledsoe made, it public. made it public. Yeah, I, I they think, had no choice. I think it's. But the know, tweet was cryptic. It wasn't like no, it know, wasn't. And he's it, been he's been unhappy. He's he said no, he said some things that you know debatable. made it. Well, he made it known that he wanted to play for a contender. That wasn't anything new. Okay, yes. And then when they fired the coach, then he says, "I don't want to." 
be here, and the Suns made a decision, this guy's a cancer in the locker room, we're not going to play him anymore. You have to tell your but fans why he's not playing. Part two of that is uh, the other the article I was looking at says that they've reached out to pretty much every single team, and the Suns are asking for a ridiculous price for Bledsoe. Well, like, yeah, because he's talented, but they have to realize that, that they're not going to get that. This isn't on the Suns. No, it's not. I'm not putting it on the it's Suns. Not, I'm just saying. We said they hurt their leverage. No, does, I'm just saying in general. No, does but it being yes. so public hurt their leverage. Well, like, yes, absolutely. but Bledsoe made it public. So, but the Suns also need to realize that they're not going to get what they should get for a talent like Eric Bledsoe. Okay, because because he's not playing and because he's right. But what if he's, what if he's send them to the Knicks and he's just going to again? Because okay. he's not a contender. We, no. we just saw this with Carmelo Anthony, that he basically said, there's one team I want to go to. So, of course, it hurt their leverage uh, in that situation. Mellow, though. No, no, no. I understand. But you're asking me, does it hurt your leverage? I mean, when Carmelo Anthony saying, I will go to this team and this team only, that kills well, your that, leverage. <laughs> you have zero. Right. And and for him to say, you know, I want to be traded, I only want to go to a contender, yes, it, it hurts their leverage. The Suns had no choice, though. They're trying to make a deal. And obviously, Bledsoe's the one who made this public, uh, not... Not the team. Uh, we do have to run because we've got to get Chris Gedney on. That was today's business brought to you by Grossman St. Amore CPAs. Located in downtown Syracuse, Grossman St. Amore CPAs provides businesses and individuals with tax planning and tax preparation services and strategies to help minimize your tax liabilities. Learn more about how Grossman St. Amore CPAs can optimize financial opportunities for your business online at gsacpas.com. Chris Gedney next. Keep it here.